I think retailers don't give customers enough permission to take risk. They've got to hit these volume things, I guess. Yeah. I guess that for me is the creativity and that's more important to me than sometimes than the commercial realities, you know, and maintaining being creative is, is one of my highest values. Hey everyone, my name is Ben and welcome to the Click Collective podcast, I Started a Business. This show is all about inspiring, encouraging, and motivating e-commerce enthusiasts and entrepreneurs by sharing successful small business stories. Click Collective is the first co-working space built around the needs of an e-commerce community, and we're home to some pretty cool brands. Each episode, we'll sit down with one of our members and chat about their journey, why they started, how they're going, their highs and lows, and everything in between. In this episode, we chat with Karen, the founder of Radical Yes, who walks us through her journey to creating shoes for modern women on the move. Karen, ben. nice to meet you. Thanks. And welcome to uh, I Started a Business podcast. How's your day going? My day is good. Yes, yeah. very radical. Yeah, <laughs> very on brand. Um, it's nice to meet you because we you. haven't, I've been at Kensington much and it's good to have a, a fresh face on the on the podcast. I'm excited to talk about Radical Yes. Yeah. So uh, let's start with maybe just briefly tell me about you and what Radical Yes is all about. So um, Radical Yes is a brand that makes flat shoes for modern women that like to move and be moved. That's that's a nutshell elevator pitch. <laughs> but I started the brand 10 years ago with my husband, Leo. Yeah, essentially it's it sort of it sits somewhere between being a fashion brand and somewhere between being utility. And mm. we try not to be too fashion, but... I guess that does come through. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a footwear brand, but we've since we've been in business, we've since added on um, eyewear and ba- handbags. Handbags okay. are first. Yep. And now we do sunglasses as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'd like to get into a bit about you first, and maybe a bit about your your upbringing and where exactly your interest in fashion and design came from. Yeah. Um, did you always have an eye for fashion design, or was it bit more of a recent development. I've always worked in fashion and also my family background is very much from the retail world. So my dad was the CFO for Sports Girl for 25 years. Right. Yep. So he's been a very good mentor yeah. <laughs> to have. But my mum as well had a huge, um, I hate this word, but passion for fashion, I guess. Um, she was an amazing seamstress and she used to conjure up her own patterns with me and, and so my very early childhood has always been about garments and clothes and she had a real love of fabrics and materials and would take me with her um, on like material sourcing expeditions to, you know, we'd go to Lincraft and spend the afternoon there and then go and find patterns. Yeah. And so, and that's from a very young age, like, I mean, like eight. And so mum was always extremely well-dressed, very well put together woman. So I, I guess that, that definitely <laughs> um, impacted my yeah. aesthetic. But obviously with my dad as well, he worked um, at Sports Girl and I used to go into the old Glen Ferry Road HQ for Sports Girl and they used to manufacture there at the time and this is going back, you know, into the 80s. Mm. And I would walk around the offices there on Saturday mornings with dad and see like all of the buying offices and all of the materials and the patterns and, and I just loved it. I loved I loved everything about it and used to pretend that I was a buyer and going yeah. on trips and <laughs> so it's been definitely it's been a part of who I am for many years definitely yeah, fashion awesome. yeah yeah definitely started early yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then coming into radical yes did do you remember if there was a moment when the idea for the business clicked and was it 
more of a slow process where it kind of had to sit for a while or did it kind of click and then it just started happening altogether pretty quickly? No, I think I was on a journey. I definitely had wanted to work for myself and I, but yeah. I just didn't have the courage and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And so I did, there was one iteration of, of the brand, which is a funny story. I had um, another brand called Package for about six minutes, <laughs> um, yeah. which was my first um, attempt at, at trying to have a business and that was mm. a bag business. But I just got the heebie-jeebies. It was too scary for me at the time. I was pretty – I was only 30 or maybe maybe even – yeah, 31. It was just too – it was too much – the production just terrified me, the investment. So yeah. I, I couldn't do it. But the, the moment I, – so I kept, I kept mucking around, you know. I, like, I really had this um, desire to – with Leo because Leo and I have always worked together when we met. We met through fashion. So right, yep. at the time Leo was working as the marketing uh, manager for MOOCs when we met and I used to design the eyewear for MOOCs. So I used to have to have these brand meetings with Leo and that's how we met. And, um, you know, I'd have to present the eyewear ranges to him and they would conceptualise how they were doing the marketing. And so we had a a very long history of working together. That's how we Mm. met. And we kept mucking around. Once we had gotten together, we kept coming up with brand ideas and, you know, sketching things out and always doing mood, building mood boards and, like, it was all very yeah. aesthetics, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it yep. was fun. And so we, we did have that, I guess, in our partnership. Mm. Uh, the way that the, the brand eventually came together was um, I had been working in footwear for about four or five years and I had taken a year off to do my yoga teacher training because I was very tired and I was making yeah. things in massive quantities. I was working for this big um, wholesaler and it was, it was pretty draining work. It was a lot of travel and I just had a kid and, you know, all the rest of it. Yeah. So during my downtime, one of my makers came to me and he said, if you design a range, I'll manufacture it and you can pay me later when you've sold it. Wow. And okay. so that was kind of yeah. the, the golden ticket, I guess, that we needed to get the courage to produce the range, someone yeah. that had backed it. But was still very scary. Um, so as part of this process, Leo had kind of come up with the logo and Leo's designed many logos for me. He designed the package one. He also designed one for my yoga training and everything else. But, yeah, so the Radical Guest logo is particularly serendipitous because he hand drew it and it's, wow. and yeah. that's the current one? Yeah, the it's the current one. It's a good one. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's very special to me. And so, yeah, he hand drew it and, and, it, and he spent days on it, months on it it was a long project but then he also kept noodling around as well and he was the one that actually set up the big cartel which is our very first website so once I'd produced the first sample range and I'd come up with this idea I just want to do one last one silhouette you know keep the range real simple and keep it really easy to understand and just make flat shoes because I know how problematic manufacturing heels is and I also don't wear them as well (laughs) yeah And I really wanted to make products that people would wear. So women wear flat shoes. So that was kind of how it all began in a very roundabout way. But um, the the moment that it clicked was when Leo had put together this big cartel site. And like big cartel back in the days in 2011, 12, you could only put six products up or something and they could only – there was only one variant and it was all – Oh, okay. It was so – yeah, it was pretty random. But anyway, he put it up just to muck around and see how it would look because we had all these art direction ideas of mm. how we wanted it to be laid out and everything else. And so we, and, but we put it up sort of mucking around and within 24 hours we'd sold a pair to someone we didn't know. Nice. <laughs> we yeah, like, 24 hours. Yeah. Oh and I was like, but like no one even knew where it was. I, mm. I, to this day I'm like, 
How did this person find the website? Yeah. <laughs> just randomly Google. Just Friday randomly Friday. came across. I don't know. Maybe she looked on Big Cartel or something. But it was so mm. random. And but but that got me because I was like, much more than wholesale. It was like, wow, this is cu- customers out in the world that are willing. Yeah. To buy our shoes and from that moment on I just knew I only wanted to work direct to consumer and I wanted to work with every single person who bought the shoes so I could understand how we could get better so I always say um you know I conceived it and Leo finished it yeah um because it it was because of him doing the, the website which to this day he's still in control of all that side of it I mm. I just follow his lead yeah him. but I'm sure seeing the name in that logo font was very encouraging right and that's cool to hear that you very um, guided by the aesthetics and... Oh, definitely. That. So that's sh- surely very encouraging, right? Seeing it all kind of like come together visually. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's what lights us up. And that's what has always been our passion is um, design and aesthetics and, and beautiful things. And I like to put that in a framework of meaning and, and purpose. I don't... I'm not completely frivolous when it comes to design, but, um, and there's definitely a kind of pragmatism that that runs through our design process that you want to make things that are useful as well as beautiful. But yeah, it's definitely something, and that's, it's a partnership that we've, we've had over, you know, 15 years now of Mm. bonding over aesthetics. So yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we're very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And yeah, speaking of like the purpose, is there a story behind the name Radical Yes? Yeah, there's, there's a few stories behind, but the one that I suppose where it was coming from was about working in opposition to what I had been doing. So as I said, I'd, I'd been working for about, like by the point that I got to running the brand, I'd been working for about 10 years doing product development. So my, I spent about four years doing eyewear mm-hmm. and then about another five years doing footwear. And it was just getting faster and faster and bigger and bigger and the units were getting bigger and bigger and the seasons were getting more and more shorter. So you'd manufacture products that would have shelf life of sort of eight to ten weeks and be on markdown. You know, you do all this work to get something up and over the line and footwear's particularly labour-intensive in terms of opening lasts and for the factory and what they go through Mm -hmm. to get a style up. And then all the componentry and everything that goes into a pair of shoes, like it's mind-boggling. Some, some shoes have like 72 different pieces, you know. When you think of the internal facings and the, the, there's things that you can't even see in shoes that are going on, shanks and, in, yeah. you know. So it's not like a garment where you've sort of got, you know, a piece of cloth and some buttons. Like yeah. it's, it's very labour-intensive. And I was really worn out um, by the pace of the work because we were producing sort of, you know, hundreds of SKUs a year in huge quantities and then they just go on sale and it just really hurt me yeah. <laughs> physically. <laughs> Not that it was just like all this work and for what, you know, you're just burning, you know, literally at every angle. So the radical was about let's work differently to that. Let's work in opposition to that. Let's make things in smaller quantities. Let's make sure every style we make has meaning. Let's make sure what we're making is going to be worn. Let's make sure what we're putting to market people actually can use because a lot of the production that I was working on from a function point of view would fail you know it was like heels that would snap off or you know it was all kinds of QC because mm. um, heels are very difficult to make FYI right yeah <laughs> um so so yeah I guess it was working the radical was about working in opposition to what I had been doing and so to this day we are very committed to small batch manufacturing which can be challenging 
when you're 10 years into a, a brand and, you know, you can see the benefits of volume <laughs> yeah. in terms of being able to support an overhead. But we stay very committed to small batch manufacturing and we sort of talk about this thing where we do little and often. So it's like we, ma- we often make a lot of things on repeat but we make sure what we make we can generally sell everything at full price, generally. Right. I'm not someone that's going to sit here and say we never have sale but it's yep. the goal is like make what you know you can sell and then, you know, and that customers can use. So it sounds elementary mm. but that's what the radical was l- largely about. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you also started online. Yeah. Um, and this was back in 2013. Am I correct? Oh, that? When did the online store? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. So we, we registered the business name. I love this story. We registered the business name the 22nd of the 12th, 2012. So all the twos, yeah. which I'm a big fan of numbers and serendipity, but yeah. yeah, there was a lot of twos. So 10 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was that a conscious choice to just go online? Like what was the reasoning for that rather than kind of going for in-store? Yeah, so it was conscious. It was definitely, like I said, like there was was that aha moment of like, wow, we could actually do this. We could sell products direct to customers online. And because and, and, I had I had a wholesale partner with the first collection, which was a brand, a store called Fat 52, which back in the day was a pretty cool Melbourne boutique that stocked independent labels. And look, they were really good to me, but they just ranged one season and then it took me ages to get paid and all the rest. And, you know, I'd come mm. from wholesale. I know how difficult wholesale is. And we didn't have the capital to bankroll, you know, footwear production on mass. And when you yeah. go out and wholesale, you get all these orders. And then there's all, the, I mean, everyone knows the challenges of wholesale. You've got to wait for the money to come in. And then you've got, like, we just didn't have the capital to fund that. So it's good you've got experience on the other side. So you've got that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get excited when you get a wholesale order. You're like, oh my God, they've ordered, you know, a hundred pairs or whatever. But then it's like, yeah, but you've got to pay for it. And then you've got to wait and and you've got to get it down from China and you've got to import it and like all the things that come with it. So for me, I think working direct to consumer mitigated a lot of risk and it kept me honest with my design process in making sure I was making things that people actually wanted to wear and not making things that retailers wanted us to make so that their shop floors look pretty because mm. there's a very different intention when you're working business to business work versus working business to consumer. And we've also always been really interested in keeping our business model pretty pure. So we love being small. We love just the two of us working together as yeah. much as possible. And so by working direct to consumer, we don't need a huge team. We don't need a huge you know, we, we can work pretty efficiently with a small team. So it's all small, small, small. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. I imagine with um, B2B, like, was there any cutbacks in terms of the actual product? Like, was there any... Compromise? Co- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think aesthetically there would, like, there could have been. I chose not to pursue it. Yeah. Do you know what okay. I mean? I, and I know with what we were making, you could definitely, if you had looked at some of our products from back then to what they are now, and I mean... We've taken a lot of risks with our products over the years. Quite, well, that's another thing that I guess is radical. Like we try not to range to. There's this thing that sort of goes on in, I guess, big high street retailers, and it's you know the corporate matrix. You know, like you need seven flats and fourteen heels, and and it just becomes very yeah. product to fill a wall, as opposed to product that's of any interest. And that's that's how I feel anyway. Yeah. So, and and there's sometimes really strange things that we've made that have been awesome and then people come to us and they're like how are you selling this and it's like well <laughs> yeah people yeah. like to take risks and i think retailers don't give um customers enough 
permission to take risks because they're too they've got to hit these volume things, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. suppose risky products scare them away, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've 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 definitely made some mistakes, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've made some <laughs> wild products along the way that are like, oh, well, I took the risk and yeah, but Yeah. I guess that for me is the creativity and that's more important to me than sometimes <laughs> than the commercial realities, you know, and maintaining being creative is, is one of my highest values. So, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you were saying before about that you focus on flat shoes yep. rather than heels. Yep. And your website also highlights the top products, which I noticed when I was doing a bit of research. Walk us through some of the top products that you have right now. Yeah. Well, I'm really gr- glad to say that um, our top products are ones that we've really invested heavily in. So they are products where we've opened the outsole moulds, which in our quantities is something that is very unusual. So mm. to open the outsole moulds, you'd normally be manufacturing in the thousands, the two thousands. Most of our styles we do in runs of 150, 200. But the way that we've overcome that um, and the reason that we chose to open the outsole moulds, I became very obsessed with abrasion and outsoles wearing down <laughs> through this process of selling shoes and, and talking to customers. You know, because in the beginning we used to source our outsoles from the open market. So there's lots of different ways mm-hmm. you can get the soles. And we kept having QC challenges with them in our quantities because um, they were wearing through over time and they weren't getting the longevity that we wanted. So I went back to the maker and I'm like, I've got to fix this. This is like, how are we going to, what can we do? And he said, well, you can open the moulds, but it's really expensive. We wouldn't recommend you do it in the quantities you do. So I came at it from a different way with the design. I was like, okay, well, what we need to do then is manufacture. We want to open the moulds. I'll invest the money because I, I want to be able to stand in the store and look my customers in the eye and know that the outsoles are the best quality possible. Mm. But what we did is we, we designed into that. So it was like, okay, well, these are the outsoles that we have. These are the last that we have to work with. And now we'll open upper patterns around that. So you'll see like with our outsoles that it might have four or five different upper patterns on it. And the best sellers at the moment are all styles that are on our outsoles. We can't do it for every style because it is very expensive, but the ones that we've done it for, so Luna Boot, Bar Bar Boot in black and gold, they're um, all on our own outsole and they're all our best sellers. And also Olympia. So Olympia's our number one hands down forever best seller now and that's a, um, a, a loafer that is on a rubber outsole and it's an amazing shoe because it's um, it's a loafer. So it looks, it's very sharp, we say, sharp looking shoe, but it's got the outsole of like a trainer. So it's made from rubber. And it's oh, really right. springy and bouncy. Yep. So, and it's designed because we try and make shoes for women that we know are on the commute, we call it. So it's like whether you're getting public transport or you're driving your car or you're chasing after your kids or, and you know, so you're, you're on your feet all day, busy women. Yeah. So the shoes that we've designed and we open the moulds for have these rubber outsoles and they've got spring in them. So they're really comfortable and they're good for your lower back and there's a whole you know list of things I could give you but that's our best sellers and because they're useful as well as cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You care a lot about your customers <laughs> for sure. Like, even like I said, just going through your website and the fact that I could just scroll down and then just see descriptions of like your top products. It was just like so effortless for me yeah. as, a, um, as a viewer. Well, we are always talking about customer journey, customer experience that Leo and I spend a lot of time, Yeah, <laughs> too much time. <laughs> like we don't stop talking about the customer experience and the customer journey and we come at it from every angle, I guess. It's from, from like I come at it from product and he comes at it from marketing and we're always looking at 
how are people interpreting what we're doing? Is, is it being interpreted the right way? And how can we make it more seamless? How can we give more information without overwhelming, you know, which all comes down to your communications. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go back to uh, the production. We talk about sustainability. Mm. It's come up quite a, a bunch in this podcast. Yeah. And um, I was wondering about the balance between having a sustainable product and also something that's long lasting. Is that a conversation that you find yourself in? Absolutely. Uh, Look, I think they're symbiotic. Like to be sustainable, you must create things that are long lasting. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's exactly what led us to opening the outsole moulds and investing in the production. And so for us, sustainability actually is about making things that are useful and that are of quality that will last because Mm. the most sustainable thing you can do with a product is make sure people use it because then you mitigate and you offset all of the um, energy, the carbon, all the things that go into producing that shoe gets offset with everywhere all that, you know, product. We've got a quote on our website from the ex-CEO of Patagonia and, and she talks about that the single best thing a consumer can do with their products to be more sustainable is to use the things that you buy. Yeah. And it's like just that simple act of using what you um, purchase that offsets. So that's kind of where we come at sustainability. It's very difficult when you're a small brand to invest in sustainability from the point of view of, you know, having audits and QC and being able to get the materials because materials, you know, they're very expensive, some of the sustainable materials, and they're very hard to get in small quantities. So it's really challenging. One thing I often say when I'm talking to new brands is, sustainability shouldn't be a marketing exercise. It should just be something that you do as a way of being in your business. It's not something that you need to put on your customers' heads. Like don't, it shouldn't be a marketing message. Mm. It's, it's really fraught. And when you're a small brand, it's very expensive. If you really want to go hard on it, you're going to have a lot of investment. Yeah. So you have to do the things that you can within the resources that you've got. Yeah. And so for us, it's small batches and making products that people actually use. And that's where we come at. Yeah. It seems so obvious, but it's such a great point. Yeah. Just make something that people are going to use. Yeah, Yeah. I know. And that's part of the reason that we make only make flat shoes because for Mm. sure they will be worn on the regular. Like, And there's another um, really good film by a lady called Livia Firth. She made a film called True Cost and, and she talks about this idea of 30 wares or more, which also sounds like, come on, 30 wares, what? But... The high street manufacture for seven wares. So if you're manufacturing for 30 wares or more, which it's like, come on, really? Mm. But that's the kind of equation. But it's also as a customer as well, if you can look at a product and go, I'm going to use that 30 times or more, that's a sustainable choice. It's when you're doing that high street shopping, you know, and you're just buying things flippantly for a quick look. I think that things are a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was saying before, you do seem to care a lot about customer experience and the relationship seems pretty strong. Mm. Do you have any secrets to a really passionate fan base? Be available to your customers. Listen to them. Um, Make yourself the centre of the business, which sounds egotistical, but when you're a small brand, people care about you and your journey. But also listening to the cues from your customers is the best marketing that you'll ever have because you can use that to reflect back things that if one customer is asking you something, you can be sure 10 others are thinking it. So if you use customer questions as an opportunity to share like your reasons for being or your marketing story and also um, for your product development, like we've totally used customer feedback for our product development and our customers love it because we literally say, oh, you guys wanted a good example. 
we have a shoe, it's called the Journey Trainer. We've been making it for four years, I think. And the tongue used to slip for some customers. And I was having a conversation with a customer in the store one day. And she's like, I love your shoes, but I hate your tongues. And this is why. And I was like, well, tongues kind of slip. And then I thought about it and I was like, actually, it's a fair point. Like, why does the tongue have to slip? You know, because I was looking at my son's shoes and saying, oh, Vans do it as well. And, mm. you know, like it's a thing. Like it's just a shoemaking thing. Like I don't know. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then I was like, no, I can. I can have the answers if I listen, right? So I took it on board and I took it to a lady who we work with in Nicholson Street from On That Mend. And she's a, she is a shoemaker. She could pattern. And she said, well, Karen, what we could do is stitch the tongue down in a certain way here and that will stop it from slipping. And so I took that back to my maker and so now we always stitch the tongues in this particular way and I like to call it Radical Yes technology because I know not all the brands do it <laughs> and our tongues don't slip. Yeah. And, and it's like it's a weird thing but people really notice that and they might not know why they're not slipping. But yeah. And there's all kinds of innovations I could, I could give you that have been driven by customer feedback. So it's just... I think genuinely listening to them and then including that as part of the conversation in your marketing and not being shy. It's like you've already made the decision to have a business. You might as well get up there and talk to people about why you're doing it. You have to, you know, stop worrying about what people think of you and just think of your customer experience and connecting with them. Yeah, that was such a good example of customer (laughs) feedback. That was great. Radical yes technology. Oh, there's plenty of those, I can tell you. Yeah. What trends have you noticed in footwear and do you jump on these trends or do you actively try to kind of evade those or just let it inform you? Yeah, I would never say I'm not influenced by trend. And I'm also someone that is, I, I'm, I work in fashion. I love novelty. I love the feeling of newness and I love the feeling of, of how new products can make you feel and, mm-hmm. you know, when you buy something new and it gives you a sense of being a character for a day whatever that character needs to be, you know, like I like the the creativity that you can get from products. So we definitely do follow trend. I like to think that we're not victims though and that we offer something that's maybe got broader appeal. The thing with footwear is, especially in flat footwear, it doesn't shift that fast if you are paying attention. So it doesn't need to shift that fast. And I think that sometimes brands move faster than their customers and then they lose because you didn't take the time to explain why that thing was good, you know, and so you're already on to the next thing and your customers are still catching up but you're out of stock or it's on sale. So, you know, it's like just I guess we work quite slowly and let customers catch up but we certainly do put new things forward and I think you have to do that. I mean, we've, like I said, we do have a lot of products in our business that have been in the business for like four or five years. But then around that you'll have, we call it, you know, sizzle on the steak, like something that's just new and exciting. And sometimes that new and exciting thing will become the enduring next thing. And sometimes it, it doesn't. But I think for me, I, I do as a designer and as someone, you know, that's into fashion, I do, I do like to think about trend but not be too slavish to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I want to talk about cost of living because it is 2022. Yeah. (laughs) Um, With such loyal customers, has this challenged your fan base to actually continue purchases? Uh, I don't think so. We haven't shifted our prices as yet. We're still hanging in there. We've still got prices, the same prices we had as 2019, 2018 on a lot of our products. I haven't seen it in the store. I haven't felt it. I sometimes wonder if the media is just pretty good at putting it all in our heads. I mean, right, I know it's yeah. a, I know it's a real thing. Yeah, I can't I can't 
they like I've been in the store. I was in the store on Saturday and it was so busy. It was not feeling like <laughs> great. I know it yeah, was great. It was great because it hadn't been that busy, and then it was all of a sudden like crazy. So I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't think I've given it a lot of thought to be honest. I probably should. And maybe and the latest prices from. The, for the winter collection, we're definitely seeing that the factories are feeling it. But yeah, it's not something I've, I've I think I've kept it out of my head. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've talked about Leo a couple of times. Yes. And he's not only your partner, but he's also your business partner. Yes. I'm curious about how do you go about balancing your work life and your family life? Yeah. Oh, balance. It's a yeah. good question, isn't it? Look, or, or is that something that's been a kind of a day-to-day It's just how juggle. we live, right? Like it's just like – and our kids are really part of the business as well yeah. um, in, a, in some ways. Because we've always worked creatively together, it's just an extension of, of our lives, I think. And we're very lucky. It's 15 years for us in December and we like are just – stronger than ever I guess because yeah. of the business so I think we've used the business as something to come together over the years it's definitely we had to pull together we've had some huge challenges over the years with the business and we had to be a team and luckily we really love working together and really get each other and mm. I think that's part of the success as a business is that we are really solid as a, as a couple and as as friends yeah. And we also have the same aesthetic. So it's really easy. We, we just have such a shorthand in how we work together. So the so in terms of balance, I wish I could say we had more, but we do probably talk about the business 23 hours of the day. But for us, it's like we're trying to create legacy as well for our children if they want to work in the business um, one day. And at the very least, they've seen what it's like to work for yourself. And we wanted to be that example for our children that you don't need to rely on anyone for anything and that you can be completely self-directed if you take full responsibility for your life. So the business is part of us taking full responsibility for our lives so that we earn our own money, we use our creativity to earn money in the world and the children have seen that and they're very confident because of that. You know, it's not like we're the parents that are coming home at the end of the day going, you know, I'm broken by my job and I'm sad. It's like we come home and we're like, we could make this product and we can do this and we can do that. You know, we're like we're always coming up with new ideas and so we're seeing those entrepreneurial traits in the children already and and I'm really, really proud of that and that's one of the things when when I feel like, God, running a business is so hard and I'm really tired, I think we're creating something that's a bit more than a business to us and our family. Yeah. <laughs> So, I yeah. think that's going to be helpful for a lot of listeners, especially the business owners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and you mentioned yoga before. Yes. I'm sure owning a business can be full on. Yes. Uh, tell us about like your wind down activities, including yoga. Yeah. So my practice is very important and it's a very important part of the diligence that you need to keep going. So I think that if I didn't have a yoga practice, I probably wouldn't have gotten through 10 years of running a business. You definitely need to find your outlet and find the thing that can send to you and keep you uh, with perspective. Um, and so for me, um, I meditate twice a day. I practice yoga normally four times a week. And I also do a lot of strength training. And I think that you can't truly maintain a business if you're not physically strong because it is very physically demanding. It's I like to think of it, it's like a marathon, you know, like you've got to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And it's not a sprint, as they say. So being physically 
and and physically taking care of yourself, like seriously taking self-care really serious, not as a frivolous, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get a facial or something. It's like you have to really look after your psyche and your well-being mm. if you're going to find your peak creativity. So, again, it's like one of my highest values of, of like I spend a lot of time on my practice and, and having the thread of the practice running through my life is very important to my creativity. Mm. So it's not negotiable for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we wrap up, I want to take a quick look at the future. I know mm. the future is a, um, the future is a tough now. one to kind of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> Answered it. Um, maybe just to look back for a little bit, mm. is there anything in your journey, any milestones that you're particularly fond of? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I think the first time we signed on a, a real live lease, you know, with our store, which was in 2000 and we've had that store for five years now. So what's that make it? 2018 or something. That mm. was a bit of a sketchy moment of like, oh my God, we're really doing this. This is a, this is a big commitment. That was a three-year lease and we've yeah, now been there five. Coming to click was a moment as well, you know, yeah. and there's a level of commitment and like making sure you, know, you can't just put it down and walk away like you're, you're committing. Mm. I think opening the outsoles was a big milestone for the business and a big shift in um, sales and everything else and, and brand awareness. That, and I, I guess one piece of advice I'd have is invest in your product to the end because if you invest in your product, people will find good product and come to you. So so that first outsole mould that we invested in, which was $10,000, it was, that was huge for us and it really paid off, like it elevated the brand. So yeah. it was a big risk and, and knowing like, oh, my God, do we know what we're doing here? Like, Yeah. But that was definitely a moment. Yeah, and um, I'm trying to think of any other significant moments. I think every day is significant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting through That's another good. day. It's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty honoured to be at one of your milestones there. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a pleasure to have you guys. Like I was saying before, like it's good to meet, put a, put a, na- a face to the name that I hear yeah. quite often. Yeah. Um, Often from Mark. Um, yeah, awesome. And just to wrap up, while there are lessons that I learned in troubling times, is there anything you would have done differently when building or running the business at all? Yeah, I reflect about this a lot. I mean, I like to think that we don't have any regrets, but of course you always do. I mean, there's things that we've definitely made some huge mistakes over the years. But I also think when you're an entrepreneur, that's part of exploring things. So you've got to give yourself permission to fail just fail fast, I guess, is is my only piece of advice. And I say it to myself often. It's like if you can feel that things aren't working, sit down and look at why and then correct it quickly because it's losing time when things aren't working that can have a much longer impact on the business. So I have no regrets. I'm very proud of having gotten through 10 years. I think one thing looking forward we probably could do more of is celebrating the milestones because we're so heads down and we work so hardly on I and we do sort of fail to stop and look up and go, oh, my God, look at what we created, you know, yeah. and quite often just the two of us. So maybe that's one regret. We haven't celebrated quite enough. Yeah, <laughs> but I suppose while you're in it, it's tough to see that it is a milestone that you're living in. 100%. And, mm. then, and I often have to sit back and think, 10 years ago I was sitting in a studio in Fitzroy with 20 pairs of shoes in a little Ikea shelf and just me and Leo hand drawing the logos and, you know, yeah. and it does feel, I think one thing you do is you compare yourself to other brands and other people and you think, oh, how did they do it? How did they get ahead so quickly? But I think a brand is such a reflection of your personality and 
how much risk taking you're willing to take. And you can only, that's so personal. Mm, so yeah. you can't compare yourself to other people. It's just, it's so oh, pointless. Yeah. Comparison can be such a killer. Oh, Absolutely. totally. Yeah. Yep. We, we definitely don't look at what other people are doing. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not helpful. Yeah. And then you just forge your own thing and then. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for oh, being on the podcast. Ben, I um, had a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope I didn't talk too much. No, no, no it was perfect. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate the opportunity and I love Click. We're so happy here. Thank you. That's really good to hear. Awesome. Well, enjoy <laughs> Thanks, the rest Harry. of your day. I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Want to know more about where Karen runs her business? Click Collective is a warehousing and co-working space built around the needs of an e-commerce community. On site, we have spaces for your warehouse, office, showroom, logistics, and a photography space. So we're a one-stop shop to run your business. You can head to our website to know more at clickcollective.com.au or check out our Instagram at Click Collective.